Michael Revenge Night. It did not go the way Sabre fans would have wanted. We'll recap it here. Kind of dive through where we now stand with the rivalry between Sabre fans and Jack Eichel. Uh, also, dissect where the Sabres now are in the standings because they have very quickly dropped. So we'll get into all of it coming up here in the Lockdown Sabres podcast. <laughs> Locked on Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. We are brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for listening today to the show. Joe DiBiase on the podcast. You can like and subscribe us wherever you may be listening. You can check us out on our YouTube channel where you can watch the show and uh, be sure to hit the subscribe button there. We have a 7-4 to loss to talk about to the Vegas Golden Knights. We also want to get into where the Sabres now sit in the standings after a very quick drop-off with their fourth loss in a row. And some questions I have about the team uh, in this losing skid. And we'll uh, sail across the Atlantic and also some news in the world of international hockey that has me fired up that we'll get to in the later portion of today's show. But today's show is about Eichel. It's about Jack Eichel. He did it. He did it. He showed up on Thursday night, and he had his revenge game. Uh, The Sabres and their fans were all over him last year. They they won, right? The Sabres won the game. Uh, Cody Eakin had his moment in the sun there for Sabre fans where he kind of mocked Eichel's neck injury a little bit. And the Sabres with Alex Tuck, the man Eichel was traded for, blew by him, stole the puck for an empty net goal, and won the game. Sabre fans were delirious uh, during that game. It was fun. And Eichel said what he did in post game, and he came in this year, different player, you know, more games under his belt since the neck surgery. Uh, the team is playing a lot better around him. The Golden Knights, Mark Stone on the ice is probably the biggest reason for that. Um, arguably their second best player behind Eichel being healthy. And they torched the Sabres, uh, at least on the scoreboard they did. With a 7-4 to four win, and Eichel got his, got his three goals, got the hat trick, had an assist, all, by the way, in the third period. It really wasn't going that well for him I would say that Sabre fans you'll always have the first and second period if you're a Sabres fan it was a madhouse it was you know a lot of hate being projected towards Eichel it was fun to have a super villain I was there just for the atmosphere I wasn't necessarily up there booing and cursing him out of course but there were a lot of fans doing it and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disparage anybody that wants to do that because we haven't really had a super villain uh, in so long And Eichel has become that. And he's leaning into it. He's going full heel. Um, And that's the way it was going in the first two periods. Fans were getting on him. He even said it after after the game that fans were getting on him. Um, And that was honestly firing him up. Two breakaways. Two breakaways that Eric Comrie turned away both times. And Sabre fans were loving that. They were pointing. They were chanting, Jack, you suck. Um, every time he touched the puck, they booed. And they really kept through that. I was wondering, are they going to run? Sabre fans going to run out of gas here? And through two periods, the fans really did not. 
They kept on him. Every time he got hit at all, there would be that. But there, it just, it was, he was coming in waves. That line, especially him and Stone together, is a lethal combination. Eichel ends up with three goals on the night. He really could have had five or six. He has the two breakaways. He has another one timer from the left side that he gets saved by Comrie's blocker. He very easily could have had six goals in this game, honestly. Uh, he ends up with three goals, one assist, seven shots on goal, a 73% expected goals for rate. He was the number one star in the game. It was Eichel's revenge. By the way, he is the fifth former Sabre to record a hat trick against the Sabres. Uh, Tyler Ennis actually was the most recent player. He did it last year for the Ottawa Senators. Ennis had a hat trick. The other former Sabres to score a hat trick against the Sabres, Ray Shepard, Pierre Turgeon and Tony McKegney. I think Eichel, though, if you heard him in post game, he he went full heel on the ice. You know, he I thought his celebrations were actually right on point. They were, you know, to 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 jaw with the fans a little bit. They were a little bit petty, but also not like being a sore winner. You know, putting his arms up in the air like, "What do you got now?" kind of stuff. Um, just the little wave he gave on the empty net goal, like nothing too egregious, but. You know, just the right amount, I thought. I thought he handled it fine. And then he was actually pretty graceful in postgame. I was surprised by that. I thought, you know, he might sound different than he did, and he wasn't. He talked about, you know, not having fans during the pandemic. And, like, even though it's negative energy being projected towards him, it's still so much better than what they had been dealing with for two years. There probably was more thought underneath there and it would have taken some frustration to bring it out. Like that's what happened last time. But, you know, I thought if you listen to him in post game, um, he took it on the chin. It sounded like he understood more where the fans were coming from than he did last time. Um, And I wonder now, did Eichel finish it? Did he finish it? What are Saber fans going to be like going forward in the future when he plays the Sabers next year, the year after, the year after? Is it going to be watered down every time he comes back? I can't believe it's going to be uh, that much of a crazy atmosphere as it was in the first and second period on Thursday night next year and the year after. But maybe, maybe, I, I don't know. Um, I guess he, he just... Michael seems uh, less like a hateful figure to me. Now, that's not going to be for everybody. A lot of fans are still going to hate him forever. Um, But more and more, you start to look back at it and think, you know, all the things we think we know about Eichel, we really don't know them. We think we know them, but we really don't know them. Like the stuff about him being a locker room cancer or being a bad teammate. I mean... Because after a game like last night, and I hear Mark Stone talk about in post game that Eichel's one of the best teammates he's ever had. And when it comes to practice habits, you know, one on one, them staying on the ice afterwards to work on certain stuff, um, it sounds like Eichel at least is it's going favorably well in Vegas on that front. And you saw it on the ice on Thursday night, right? Like he gets an assist, not even a goal yet. He gets an assist in the third period and all of his teammates are going nuts for him. And they're like rubbing him on the head and whatnot. Um, And then he scores the goals and his teammates are as fired up as anybody. They're banging their sticks on the, on the boards when he's his name is being announced on the jumbotron. Um, It, you know, they, they went to bat for him. uh, The golden Knights players did. So that's not stunning, but you don't do that for a dude you hate. 
And now you start to think back and it's like, okay, how bad I'm not saying he was a good captain. I don't think he was a good captain. It was put on his it was put on his plate far too early. But how bad really was it? Because you think back and think, yeah, he did used to go over things with Victor Olofsson all the time when he was a rookie in practice and on the bench with the iPad, like showing him where to to stand. Oh yeah, he was the guy that was first ready to the door, ready to 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 hug and to to go nuts for Dylan Cousins when he scored his first NHL goal. Oh yeah, Kyle Okposo does go to bat for Eichel as a as a person and as a teammate every single time he's asked, whether it's in the media, whether it's when he's on the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Like, oh yeah, Okposo defends him at every turn on that front. So how bad really was it? You know, it wasn't great. I'm not arguing that he was like he was Jonathan Taze or Mark Messier out there. Um, but how bad really was it? And you start to look back on that and think, maybe we just wanted to believe that all that stuff was worse than it really was. But this is, you know, this is, I'm in a different, I'm in a different area, a different space than I would have been at the end of last year. Because you see those comments that he makes after the Sabres game against the Golden Knights last year. And you think, oh yeah, this guy gets frazzled easily, mentally weak uh, and whatnot. But he wasn't mentally weak on Thursday night. Like he could have been. He could have been frazzled. He could have been frustrated by the fans getting after him, by missing two breakaways um, and whatnot, but he didn't. He scored a hat trick in one period, uh, and he stuck with it the whole time. So that's just kind of where we are with Eichel, and I do wonder, does it end here uh, between Sabres fans and Eichel? I think it probably doesn't end, but it might get watered down every time um, that they play. So kudos to Eichel. He was the best player on the ice. He was the best player on the night. And it really goes to show, like, yeah, like, even if the Sabres win their end of the trade, the Golden Knights are probably going to win their end of the trade. You know, it might be the Diggs-Jefferson trade. Uh, Travis Yost from TSN compared those deals a couple of weeks ago that the Sabres might be on their way to getting everything they want out of this deal. Tuck has been incredible uh, other than the last two nights, but we'll get to that. But Tuck's been, for the most part, incredible. And Krebs has shown flashes. And they've got Osland in the in the system. they got another second-round pick coming up. Like, they have, they have kind of cleared the decks, and they've started over, and they've used that trade as a way to boost uh, themselves forward. And the Golden Knights are also probably going to get everything they want out of that trade. It's very likely that the, Go- the Golden Knights and Eichel win a Stanley Cup. Um, there's at least a good chance. I don't want to say it's very likely, but there's a good chance of it. I mean, every power ranking you'll look at today has them number one. They've won nine games in a row now. Um, they're a great team. They're an incredible team. And they're doing it, by the way, with like league average to below average goaltending. Um, not that they have the cap room to fix that. They'll have to deal with that all year. But uh, kudos, Dykel. He was incredible. And and he took the booing on the chin. And I will also say kudos to Sabres fans for sticking with the booing and the the Bronx cheers and the chants all night because I really didn't think that it was going to last into the second and third period and every time it was it was there it was a madhouse um, and that's the that's the atmosphere you want at games that was a fun atmosphere and you know it came from a negative place but hopefully it continues going forward. Goathead of the night uh, for last night's game before we take a timeout and kind of evaluate where we are with the Sabres uh, after this fourth loss in a row. Goathead of the night, at least one positive thing. Best Sabre on the night is always going to be who we give this out to. And it was easy for me. It was definitively Tage Thompson showed up big, two great goals. He was flying the whole night. 
through the neutral zone with speed, creating chances. Every shift, he was dangerous. I thought Thompson really came to play. By the way, did you do the thing I did where you, you, you read into every little thing more than you should have with players when they were playing Eichel? I'm watching Thompson just be an animal from beginning to end, skating and being physical and creating chances and thinking, oh, maybe Thompson didn't like Eichel so much and this is firing him up. And then I would have to think, wait, that probably might have nothing to do with it. And Darlene, and coincidentally to me, looked a little bit passive in this game. So I'm like, oh, I wonder if that has anything to do with Eichel being on the ice. And is he being passive because Eichel was always the dominant figure in the locker room to him? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm completely speculating on any of this. But I, I was doing that with every Sabre player of, oh, him playing like this tonight. What does that mean for Eichel? Even though, again, it might have meant absolutely nothing. But anyways, doesn't matter. Tage Thompson, best Sabre on the night. Two goals. He had eight shots on goal. He really should have been one of the three stars. Um, he didn't. Eichel got the first star. Chandler Stevenson, who got a goal and three assists, was the second star. And then Alex Petrangelo, with a goal and two assists, was the third star. But I thought Thompson should have been one of the top three. He was incredible uh, all night. Um, yeah, eight shots on goal. Um, he also, by the way, well, no, eight, eight for, excuse me, eight for 17. I thought he went eight for nine on faceoffs, eight for 17. But still, incredible night by Thompson. Thompson, he gets the goat head of the night for the third time this year. We'll come back. I wasn't really on Twitter a lot, so I'm not going to go through our explain yourself segment, but I got some thoughts written down from the game and really from the four game losing streak that I want to break down when we come back during the lockdown Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. We're brought to you by betonline.net. It's your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer. We've got the FIFA World Cup. Coming up in a little bit, I was looking at some golden boot odds recently. Josh Sargent of Team USA is plus 20,000. You could probably get Christian Pulisic for a much better uh, better bet for sure. Um, but they got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They are the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. And remember, my recommendation when using BetOnline is use it for your fantasy lineups. It is a trick that not a lot of people use that – these these books they are incredible at projecting lines. They are they they put their money where their mouth is on it. They are good at it because they have to be because it's how they make money. And if you're trying to if you're trying to debate or make a decision on who you want to start in fantasy, just go to bet online and look at the odds. And if you're debating between, you know, who's a good one for this week? Michael Pittman and Brandon Cooks and you can't decide who to play, and all they're ranked right back-to-back next to each other. Don't even look at the rankings. Look at the over-under. Oh, BetOnline's got Michael Pittman at 43.5 receiving yards, and they've got Brandon Cooks at 38.5 receiving yards. You go with Pittman. It's a great way. It's a it's a, it's a a secret trick uh, to you to uh, get your best fantasy lineup possible. So head to BetOnline.net, BetOnline, where the game starts. Jody Biasi back here on the Locked On Sabres podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. For your next listen, be sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're not going to do the explain yourself segment today because I didn't have a lot of tweets from the night. I was in the arena. Um, it wasn't on my phone a lot. So I was just kind of taking in the whole atmosphere and whatnot. And I, I do have some thoughts, though, written down that I wanted to get to about the four-game losing streak as a whole. But before we do that, 
go through some stats from the game against the Golden Knights that will go to a larger part of the picture here about this losing streak. I don't want I don't want to overreact to this losing streak, and I don't really think fans should either. Yes, it's four losses in a row, but in large part, they've been pretty good. You know, they played in step with Carolina and Tampa Bay, same amount of shots, same amount of scoring chances, you know, up and down the ice, trading chances, close games. The Coyotes game, they dominated Arizona. They just got unlucky with a couple of bounces, and this Vegas game was another instance where it happened. The Sabres against the Golden Knights actually didn't play that bad. They just really didn't get saves. Uh, In fact, in some areas, they outplayed Vegas. Shot attempts in this game. The Sabres had 57 to Vegas's 44. Scoring chances, not too different. In fact, the Sabres outgained them there. 32 scoring chances for the Sabres, 24 for Vegas. High danger scoring chances in this game, 11 for Buffalo, 13 for Vegas. So even that one was pretty close. The one area that I will always point out every game is the expected goals for percentage, which I think is kind of your deserve meter That's what moneypuck.com has, the deserve, deserve to win meter And on the expected goals for percentage mark, the Sabres were at 49.76%. It just barely below 50-50. I mean, they were they were the same team on the night. The Golden Knights just got more saves than the Sabres did. Uh, so I, I think the Sabres played really well in this game. I know they didn't come away with the win. They just got beat by a better player, and Comrie really didn't have his best night. Um, six goals allowed. You can't have that. But the Sabres scoring four, including one shorthanded. Yeah, they are still getting a lot of power play goals. You'd like to see the five-on-five get increased a little bit. But by the way, I should I should point this out more often. All those numbers I just ran through, the, the shot attempts, the scoring chances, the high-danger scoring chances, those are always five-on-five numbers. Just five-on-five. Doesn't factor in the power play or even shorthanded. So even though the Sabres have lost four in a row, they've played three good teams in this stretch, and they have they've looked as good as those three teams. So even though they haven't come away on the scoreboard, if they keep playing like that, eventually the wins will come. That 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 would be my thought, is you've lost three games here to great teams. You play, if they put that four game of stretch of play on the ice, they lost all four this time. I would say more times than not, you're going to win two or three playing like that. And sometimes maybe you'll win all four playing like that, where you dominate a bad team and you just you get the bounces to go your way instead of the other way, and you play three Stanley Cup contenders, and you look like almost the same quality team, you're, you're going to do better than four losses in a row a lot of times. So I'm not making any big negative indictment on the Sabres, whether they're good or not, based on that four-game stretch. A couple of things that I did write down thinking about this four-game stretch that have gone wrong. One, Alex Tuck has been bad in both games this week, both against Arizona and horrible against Vegas turnovers all over the place. He just, he didn't look very engaged. Uh, me and Jeremy white from WGR. were talking about the morning of two and a half shots on goal was the over under for Alex tuck. He's going to cruise past that. I'm not even sure. I, I actually had the stats in front of me. I don't know if he had one shot on goal. Um, Alex tuck. He did have two. Okay. He did actually end up having two, but he was invisible. I thought for much of the night, 
except for when he was turning the puck over to Jack Eichel, who was springing a breakaway. I had people around me shouting, does Tuck know he's on the Sabres now and not on the Golden Knights? So I would trust that he's going to get back into a groove. He's a consistent player for the most part. Um, It's probably just a bad couple of games here. But still, I think it has been a bad couple of games for Alex Tuck. Uh, Also, is there an Eric Comrie conversation to be had? He started great. The first two or three games of the season, he was incredible. Ever since, eh, not so much. And now you look at some of the advanced numbers, and it's not looking too hot. He is now in the negative when it comes to goals saved above expected. Uh, Minus .39 goals saved above expected per 60 minutes. It's a good stat I look at for how a goalie is playing at 5-on-5. Right now, he ranks 38th in the NHL in goals saved above expected out of 48. So bottom 10 goalie in the league, uh, especially if you're including backups. And they are treating him like the number one goalie, which is what I advocated for to find out, do we have anything here? At one point, do you say, okay, maybe he's not a true number one and we have to make him more of the co-starter? Because uh, so far he has started 10 of 14 games. That is the type of... Uh, that is the type of workload that legit number one goalies get in the NHL. And he is sitting with an 885 save percentage. Got to have better than that. So what do you do? Do you start playing Craig Anderson more? That stat I just read off, goal saved to expected. Comrie ranks 38th out of 48, and Anderson ranks 19th. Um, actually, let me double check that. Anderson ranks... Yeah. So uh, Wait a minute. Hold on. Let's see. Uh, Craig Anderson, sorry, this is, I know this is bad podcasting here. 14th, 14th out of, uh, out of that number. So do you start playing Anderson more? You know, it's been 10 of the first 14 games for Comrie. Do you play him eight of the next 14 and have Anderson play six? Or when do we start thinking about Uka Pekalukanen? Now I, I say that, and I actually even wrote that down on my notes before I even looked up. How's Uka Pekalukin been playing in Rochester? And the answer is maybe not so hot. Uh, I don't have the full story. I've not been watching the Amherst and whatnot, so I don't know if, if there's more to the numbers, but he's not doing well when you look at save percentage. 898 save percentage on the season, a 3.07 goals against average for Lukanen. So doesn't sound like he's banging down the door uh, to get to the NHL yet. So Anderson? Maybe is your answer. You give you put a couple of more starts on his plate, see if he can handle it, continue to play as well as he has. Because Anderson, by the way, is at a 927 save percentage in the four games he has played. So just a little curious how they're going to manage goaltending going forward. But I'll say this. If Eric Comrie is going to become the Sabres' legit number one starter for the next two years, he's got to play better than he has in the last five or six games. One other stat I wanted to read off here before we take a break and finishing finish things up with a sale across the Atlantic Division and also uh, news in the world of international hockey. Saw this stat um, on the Sabres today. Dahlins expect Rasmus Dahlins expected goals above replacement is at nine point two. He is almost three times higher in that stat than the next Saber which is Victor Olofsson at 3.2, which a lot of that goes to his goal scoring. But Darlene at 9.2. That would almost speak, that would almost basically say that Darlene has been three times more valuable to the Sabres lineup than any other player is on the roster. Um, so continues to speak to, he's the best player in the Sabres and he continues to play great. Um, so yeah, 
We'll take a break here. We'll come back. We'll sail across the Atlantic. How the rest of the Atlantic Division fare on Thursday night. Where do the Sabres now stand in the standings? And some news in the world of international hockey. That's ahead here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. Welcome back to the Lockdown Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase at Sneaky Joe Sports to follow me on Twitter at Lockdown Sabres to follow the podcast account on Twitter. At least for now. You know, Twitter might be ruined in three months' time, so we'll see if we stick on there. Uh, but we'll see. Um, all right, the sale, our sale across the Atlantic Division uh, for Friday's episode here. Thursday night featured three other Atlantic teams in action. Detroit got blown out by the New York Rangers, eight to two. Uh, the the Red Wings dropped to seven four and three on the season, seventeen points. Ottawa loses in overtime to the first place in the Metropolitan Division, New Jersey Devils. Uh, so Ottawa drops to 4-8-1. and one. They have nine points. And Boston continues their torrid streak. They are now 12-2 and two on the season uh, after a 3-1 to one win over Calgary. They have 24 points. That is seven points more than anybody else in the division. Boston is running away with the division early. Everything else is pretty packed in. So with the Sabres losing four in a row, it doesn't look great when you just look at placement, but the Sabres are seventh out of eight. Seventh out of eight uh, in the Atlantic Division, only above Ottawa. They are five points above Ottawa with 14 points, but they are in seventh place. But as you'll see here, as I put it up for our YouTube watchers, you've got Boston way at the top with 24 points. You've got Ottawa way at the bottom with nine points. And then everybody else, the other six teams, are between 14 points where the Sabres are and 17 points, which is where Florida, Toronto, and Detroit are. So even though Sabres have lost four in a row and it's kind of a blown opportunity, um, still have a plus goal differential, by the way. You'll see there at plus five. So even though it's a blown opportunity, these four games, because they played well and you'd like to see some more some more results in the standings, um, they are hanging around. They're only three points back of those teams in second place and third. Uh, but they're going to have to, of course, get more results going forward. Just playing well isn't going to, you know, get you to the playoffs. You have to actually – it has to translate to wins at some point too. Uh, so that's a look at where the Sabres are currently in the Atlantic Division. And one more thing I wanted to get to before we wrap things up on today's show. Some wor- some news in the world of international hockey, which is something that I've always liked to cover and talk about here on the show. I love international hockey, and we've been starving for it because we really haven't had the best of the best in the world going at it against each other in an intense competition since the 2014 Sochi Olympics. It has been almost a decade since we have had top flight international hockey. We had the 2016 uh, World Cup of Hockey, but that was done in the preseason, which really made it uh, a lack of intensity. It felt more like a warm-up to the NHL season. It felt more like a glorified NHL preseason with different uh, with different players or different jerseys. The World Cup of Hockey, they were planning on doing it or shooting for February of 2024. The NHL and the NHL Players Association released a statement on Friday that the World Cup of Hockey will not take place in 2024, and they are aiming for 2025 in February. But that means we will reach a decade without top-level international hockey with the best of the best 
going against each other. And that is just such a sad reality for the sport. And it, to me, is one of the, it's one of the black eyes of the Batman era um, as he oversees the NHL into his 60s and 70s now, is that he has failed to capitalize on the amount of growing the game currency that he could that he could earn by sending his players to the Olympics, by creating a consistent World Cup of Hockey, not just this one-off that we had six years ago. Bettman has really failed the, inter- the, the world of hockey. Uh, he has taken something away from the world of hockey. And to me, he has done damage to the game. When you talk about, you know, having the the sport be in the best place possible and you are the NHL, you are at, you're standing at the place where you can capitalize financially on growing the game more than anybody else in the world can. And Batman has never seen the value of that. He has never tried to capitalize on that because now we are going to have, we have two Olympics in a row where NHL players have not gone and maybe we end up with a third. Uh, I think they're in Italy next time and we're not going to have a world cup of hockey and they have, they if you want that to matter, if you want that to be a tournament that can, you know, be the best of the best trying um, at a at a hundred percent, then you need to start playing it more and more so that players can respect it, that rivalries can grow, that just you, you build up the tradition of it, and they have really failed on that. So I'm not surprised. Um, it's just sad. I want to see. I think this. The, the worst part for me is, I think the crop of American players you have right now is the greatest that USA hockey has ever had, that they could finally bring a team with the most talent possible and be comparable to Canada. And well, we might never get a chance to see it. We might never get a chance to test that um, with Matthews as, as the number one center and Eichel as the number two and Goudreau and, you know, the goaltending that they have with, uh, Thatcher Demko and John Gibson. I feel like there's another goalie I'm missing though. Um, so many great players, Zach Wierenski, they just, it's, it's the Kachucks. It's a great era of American hockey and we can't see a team USA go on the ice and try to beat Canada. And it's, it's just stupid. It's so stupid. All right. That's where we'll wrap things up though for today's show. Thanks everybody for listening to the lockdown Sabres podcast. The Sabres are next in action. It does not get easier on the schedule. They host the Boston Bruins uh, on Saturday night uh, at seven o'clock. So enjoy the game. And uh, we'll talk to you on Monday to recap Sabres and Bruins. And we'll look ahead to the Canucks who the Sabres will then play on Tuesday. Thanks for making locked on Sabres. Your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen locked on uh, locked on sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today. It's available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you on Monday here on the Locked On Sabres podcast.